today we are here with Stephanie. So Stephanie, let's start off with why don't you introduce yourself, your Hogwarts house, and kind of what you do. Um, So my name is Stephanie Dorsey. I am the queen bee and owner of Bees and Teas. I am a Hufflepuff, um, and we specialize in eco-friendly, sustainable, and pollinator-friendly tea and honey. Um, Our focus is on providing our bees here at our apiary with the best possible life and happiness that we can. So we're definitely going to get into their conversation about the honey, the teas, the bees, because it's very interesting to me. Before that, I know you are also a Harry Potter fan, so we would love to hear your Harry Potter origin story, like how you found, did you start with the books, the movies, kind of how you found that fandom? So I am an older Harry Potter. I like to think of myself as an elder in Harry Potter land um, because the books came out when I was in high school and I actually started reading them because of a younger cousin who was familiar with them. And the movies didn't come out until I was in college. Um, I think it was actually a sophomore in college before the first movie came out. Um, So definitely my origin was on the book side. Uh, I was a Hufflepuff when it was not cool to be a Hufflepuff. Um, When people were like, there's another house called Hufflepuff. Um, Pre-Cedric Diggory uh, world, I was a Hufflepuff. So that's kind of my origin of Harry Potter. And so with your teas, you've definitely like dove into the literary side of them. And you do include some Harry Potter stuff. Do you actively like engaged in the Harry Potter community or is it just something you still enjoy just kind of like on the, on a lighter side? Um, so I have been engaged in the community for, for years um, and have raised my son who's now 17 in the world of Harry Potter as well. Um, we actually lived in Florida when the first uh, Harry Potter wizarding world of Harry Potter was opening So we had an annual pass, spent so much time there, Um, went to, of course, you know, the the Wizard Cons and and Wizard Fest. And um, even when we moved to New England, we continued to go back when the new parts of Harry Potter World were open. Um, So definitely, you know, deeply embedded in in the family uh, with with Harry Potter, Um, even made our own wands, uh, which was fun. And uh, yeah, it's, it's it's something that I think uh, for for me at least is such a great piece of imagination. It's not just a story; it's an encapsulated world with multiple layers and thought processes, and really pushes you to stop and think about the society that you live in, right? And not just. A, a fairy tale land like we might see in, say, a Disney movie. Uh, and I think that that's a real difference between Harry Potter and some of the other more fairy tale um, stories. It's really more of an entire world than it is just a standalone story. It really is. And then what house is your son? Um, so he's actually a Gryffindor, okay. which I find funny because I'm married to a Slytherin. You're just missing the Ravenclaw. <laughs> she had one more kid um <laughs> complete the set uh yeah no I always laugh it was my husband's been a Slytherin I'm a Hufflepuff and it was before the whole like Hufflepuff Slytherin you know buddies thing yeah we were ahead of the curve ahead of the trend you are the hipsters of the Slytherin <laughs> Hufflepuffs as I said elder Harry Potter fans no 
but that's one of the nice things about uh, Harry Potter is that it is multi-generational. You see every age within the fandom network. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's also something that is so family friendly um, from being able to read the books um, with your kids to them transitioning to reading it themselves. Um, and kind of that like decision point as a parent about when do they get to read the Goblet of Fire and the first kind of death scene and that first turn of it getting a little bit darker and growing up with the books. And you kind of, when do you make that transition? Because you know it's coming and you have to guide your child through the loss of these characters. It's, it's also a great way to have those really difficult conversations as a parent with your child. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, most parents that I know, that's always the book where it's like, oh, we've read one through three multiple times. But number four is like that decision maker book of like, are they ready to handle this? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think every book grows up with the characters and therefore grows up with the audience. Um, but it also, again, it, it it allows parents an opportunity to have those difficult conversations about losing loved ones, about PTSD mm-hmm. and how that affects people. Even, you know, talking about Dumbledore and the acceptance of his sexuality, that is, that is all conversations that are really great for parents to be able to have. And the books are a great conduit to those conversations. Oh, definitely. Even on like a more like not lighter level, but not as like in depth. This is just like managing emotions. Like there's so many times where like Harry is just like angry and like learning how to like recognize that and managing just yeah. having emotions in general. Well, and, and realizing when your emotions are driven by something of yourself and when your emotions are being driven by something external. Mm-hmm. And I think those are all really great things that I think the Harry Potter books, because they take place in a boarding school without parents also give kids the freedom to think about how they would solve problems and issues without adults there to solve them for them. Mm-hmm. Even like, and that level of independence. Yeah. And like Harry and Ron's relationship, like it was not just uh they fought a lot. <laughs> it's just one of those <laughs> things. Where like, yeah. Yeah. Like you don't necessarily think about it, but like they got angry with each other a lot. And like looking at it as an adult, you're like, Y'all just need to grow up, but you're like, no, they're actually kids. This is completely relatable. (laughs) Absolutely. Even like with, with Harry and the Cho Chang and Cedric Diggory kind of, you know, triad. That is also something that I think kids can really look at and kind of learn from like how to deal with those emotions and, Mm -hmm. and rejection, you know, and, and, and seeing how a character deals with that helps them think of how they can deal with it and helps them process those situations and also realize that they are extremely normal situations. I think it normalizes it a lot so that, you know, when it happens to them, they don't feel like, well, I'm the only person this has ever happened to. Well, no, it must be normal because, you know, the characters in this book are also having these same experiences. Yeah, and like, and as a kid, because I so the books came out when I was 11, 12. So I actually grew with the books. And like, when I read them, then I would have never thought of been like, oh, yeah, they're going through this. I would have been like, no, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to like put to words what was happening. But mm-hmm. I could recognize I'm like, oh, they're the friends and they're having a fight, but they're figuring things out or, oh, there's this weird love triangle. Like, but hey, they're like, you know, you kind of see it. But as 
at that age, like you wouldn't have been able to put that to words, but you kind of saw processing of it and been like, okay, I can do this. Well, and I think one of the things we don't talk a lot about with Harry Potter and and kind of how it grows up is the bullying. Harry mm-hmm. is bullied a lot at Hogwarts. He's bullied when they think he's the heir of Slytherin. He's bullied during the Goblet of Fire. He's bullied, you know, um, by by the by Draco. Um, and how he responds to that bullying, how he he there's a moment in the Goblet of Fire that I always remember, which talks about it wasn't that bad when he would get bullied before because he had Ron and he had Hermione and he had his friends and, and that made it okay. It wasn't as hard, but when he loses Ron's friendship for that period of time, and he's also being bullied, how much harder it is. And I thought that was a really real moment, not just as kids, but as adults too. When we have those good friends, even if we're coworkers, maybe, you know, that really great coworker that makes jobs. Okay. And that coworker leaves, um, how much harder it is. And, and I think that's a very important lesson for everybody to learn um, that you're not always liked. Even if you're the chosen one, you're not always liked. Yeah. And then like, even if you're not the chosen one, cause like we see Neville go through it. And then we also have that huge moment of Draco, who is the bully having that huge moment in six, like Absolute. that, yeah, he might be the bully, but when you kind of see a little behind the scenes, you're like, not that he's justified, but you can understand it a little more. And there's always a bigger bully, right? Yes. No matter who your bully is, there's always a bigger bully. Yeah, because you really you can go down from Draco to his dad to Baltimore. You can just yeah follow the whole line of where it all started. Absolutely. So That's moving good. on to your shop. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, you're okay. What were you going to say? Oh, no, no. I just, I feel like I could go on tangents forever about Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, th- that is why we're here. We we love a good tangent. We love a good discussion about Harry Potter. Yeah, I, I love Harry Potter. And so when I was, when I blend my teas um, and work with them, I always, I read a lot. I'm a huge reader. I'm a huge consumer of fantasy literature. Um, and I have been wanting for some time to do a Harry Potter inspired tea and was really struggling um, with how do you interpret characters and places and, and pieces of the world, but in an flavor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it actually took me about six months to kind of decide what I wanted to do. And I decided to start with the houses because they are more universal um, and, and I love the founders. I love the founders of Hogwarts. I feel like they're kind of like these unsung heroes, um, that, that are there and that build the basis of this world that every kid who attends Hogwarts interacts with. Um, so I really wanted to do teas that were inspired by the founders and the houses that they created. Um, and that's kind of how I, I started with the Harry Potter world teas, um, kind of thinking about the common rooms, thinking about the founders themselves and where their values lie, but also thinking about how we perceive people from those houses and how it's not always a straightforward perception. Right. And I think, um, Slytherin's the one that I gave the most thought to on that because we always think of Slytherin as being, I hate to say it, slightly negative mm-hmm. <laughs> and dark. And um, 
not necessarily something that is sweet. And I guess maybe because I'm married to a Southern, I, I view it a little differently. I think they're just very multifaceted that yes, they're a little bit darker and yes, they are very cunning, but they're also, I think deep down a very sweet and lovely group of people who just maybe get grouped in with bad people <laughs> sometimes. I I feel like people overlook the word resourceful and make resourceful into like a negative thing by using the word ambition. And I don't think ambition is a negative. It's just, it has certain connotations to it, but it's just, no, the Slytherins know what they want. And sometimes that just people got a bad rep because they're, they have a goal and they're aiming for it and they're going to go for it. And, and I think sometimes people think of cunning as being a bad thing as well. Oh, they're yeah. cunning. Cunning's not bad. Cunning just means you find a problem. There's a problem and you find a solution. Mm-hmm. And maybe that solution isn't the nicest one, but it's the solution, right? And cunning I, I think, also has like that tone to it. Yeah. You know how there's like a certain words you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's, a, that's for like the villain. Cunning just has that like flow of tones that you're like, mm. but yeah. I heard the word cunning used. I worked in HR for years and performance reviews are something that happened a lot. And so often you hear things like ambitious and cunning associated with women in powerful positions. And I, I find that to be my former weird. team leaders, a Slytherin. This is- <laughs> <laughs> and so often those words when applied in some ways are positive and applied in another way is negative. Right. But I find that those same words we use to describe Slytherin are so often used for women in leadership roles. And I find that to be such a great, you know, kind of um, uh, dynamic. Um, sorry. No, kind of you're, you're, you're right. You are right on it. Cause I will tell you um, my team leader recently left for another opportunity that she's going to be amazing at, but that describes her perfectly. And she was, the best team leader in the department. And I, I'm biased on that, but I will still vouch for that because our team's numbers show that she was the best team leader in the department. <laughs> like it just shows. And, but she was also, she's one of my favorite people and she listens yeah. to this. So she's going to hear me say this, but <laughs> like, I love my new team leader, but I miss her. Because she was probably very, very like determined. She had yes. set boundaries. She knew exactly she was on it. Yeah, yeah. And and it's that same kind of thing where we sometimes view that as you know, oh, those are negative words, but they're not always negative. No, essentially, Slytherins get shit done. Exactly. That's kind of what it comes Absolutely. down to. It's like they get it done, and they do it in the 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 best way, and not like quickest as in like cutting corners, but like quickest and most logical. Absolutely. Yeah. To solve the, the problem. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, as I was saying, the, the reason I really think about Slytherin when I was blending the teas is because I made it a sweet tea. Okay. So it is a green and white tea that's fruity and sweet. Um, and I think that that's really something that is, um, kind of not expected. I think people would expect it to be dark and broody and, yeah. and it's, not, it's light and it's sweet. Um, I like that take on it. I like that different take because there's so many times when I am a Ravenclaw and no matter what, most part, when you see a Ravenclaw candle, there's cedar in it somewhere because people go, books, cedar. Guess who's allergic to cedar? 
<laughs> so I, I'm always like, what I'm always reading ingredients. I'm like, I, I just, that doesn't have, that's not all of us. Like, so I love that there's a, that you took a different take on Slytherin because they probably yeah. have the same situation where they're like, always get these dark and like moody-esque type things. Actually, the very first tea I blended, my very first meditation tea is the Raven Call tea, which is Raven's Call. Um, and it is a meditation tea because I feel like they're maybe just like wrapped a little too tight some days and need to relax. <laughs> Sometimes. I won't lie. A little bit of meditation tea. Bring that stress down. Focus. I, can see that. I also yeah. have like, I I have my own TED talk on Ravenclaws. <laughs> But um, I'm a very strong believer that Ravenclaws are also the most creative house of the bunch because they like like Slytherins, how they get a very specific like persona attached to them. I feel like Ravenclaw gets like the know-it-alls. But the thing is, like I see with Ravenclaws is we're know-it-alls to the point of if it's something that interests us because people are like, well, I'm a Ravenclaw, but I didn't get straight A's. I'm like, but what was your favorite subject? And like, we're the type of people that when we find something we like, we want all the information on that one subject. Absolutely. Deep dive. I can't tell you how many times I've deep dived into like crazy things like the Muppets. I've read every book out there on Sesame Street, Jim Henson, Elmo, all of it, because I took a deep dive into it. (laughs) I, you know, and I, I think when people say that about Raven call or Raven's call that it's, you know, it's, um, about you know wit and wisdom mm-hmm. then explain luna who was a creative person because who was the most creative yeah. person the most creative person in the books and absolutely my favorite character um of all time in those books well other than maybe jacob kowalski because i love him too but um yeah i like the oddball characters don't i um but luna i feel like makes you rethink Mm-hmm. And she makes you think think about things differently. Yeah. Like when you have that moment of her answering the question for the common room. Exactly. She's She just sees the world a little bit differently. And I think it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, I, I am a huge Luna Lovegood fan. Um, I actually have a crochet hook that is her wand. That is oh, the cool. level of commitment. <laughs> it was I've, custom. I've seen those crochet hooks and I just can't do it. But crochet, I'm also clumsier at. So like when that, when you change the shape, I'm more of a knitter. Mm. So when you switch it up on me, I'm just like, I can't, I need the classic. Yeah. So I do have your Hufflepuff brew pulled up, your Helga's brew. Helga's brew. And just reading it, it just sounds straight up like Hufflepuff. Um. I wanted it to taste like the grand feast smells. Oh, I like that. Like, that was my thought. Like you're sitting in the Hufflepuff common room and you're drinking a, a brew and you're smelling all of the smells that are coming from the kitchen. It's right there. Um, very organic um, and feeling herbal tea, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love it because it, it tastes like, the grand feast. Yeah. And this might be just a me thing. I associate the Hufflepuff common room with a hobbit hole. Absolutely. 110%. And when yeah. I saw this, I'm like, yep, yeah, that's, that's also hobbit hole right there. 
feel like comfortable and in my own space. At my Ren Fair booth, I I dress as a hobbit. (laughs) I love that. I'm a hobbity Hufflepuff. It's it all goes together. In I, yeah, I mean you're right there. That I just always link Hufflepuffs and Hobbits together in my head mentally. I, I do think they would be they would really go together well. It'd be very complimentary. Yeah, yeah, very very similar. Um, but Helga Hufflepuff happens to be one of my favorites because she accepted everyone. It wasn't necessarily about if you were smart enough, if you were cunning enough, if you were brave enough. It was just you are enough irregardless of what you were. And that was something I always really appreciated about, about her as a character. Um, So Helga's brew is probably one of my favorite teas that I personally drink. Um, And it's something that I have just, I just absolutely love. I love the vibe and the feel that you get when you drink it. And because I'll get in trouble if I don't mention them because it's Gryffindors, we got (laughs) them. We have to mention them or I'm going to get some hate mail. <laughs> the Griffin's sword. Um, it tastes like red hots. Oh. Like cinnamon bears and red hots. Got you are speaking my language right now. <laughs> These are my life choices. Um, I wanted something that like when you smell it, you were like, like you had to really like it. Like you had to, you had to be in it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Not for the faint of heart. Like you have to like cinnamon. You have to like oranges. You have to like really like it. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's a, it's a bravery brew right there. It is absolutely delicious. Um, I personally think, but it, yeah, it's like cinnamon bears, red hots mixed together um, in a tea. So let's start at the beginning of your tea journey. How did you get in? Like, is this isn't something you're just like, I'm just going to start making tea. <laughs> well, Tivana closed. Um, Starbucks bought Tivana, and oh. then they changed the recipes to include all kinds of artificial flavors, which was gross. And then they closed all of the retail locations. And I stocked up on my favorites, um, but then, of course, eventually ran out because you do. And it was COVID, beginning of COVID, and I was bored. <laughs> And I thought, why not blend tea? Um, we have bees. We produce a tremendous amount of honey. And tea and honey are, you know, hand in hand. So why not learn about blending tea? So I took time during COVID and I learned how to blend tea. Mostly because I was going to replicate my favorite recipes from Tivana so I could have them. Um, and then it just kind of grew from there. So the first uh, five teas I brought out were actually my interpretations of my favorites. Um, and we've just kind of grown from there. I think we're up to like 30 teas at this point Wow! in total. It's kind of how we start. I know it's like, people, it's not like I have to went somewhere or tried something or had this epiphany moment. It was more like COVID. And I want this place. thing <laughs> that I can't get anymore. <laughs> So, you know, in true Hufflepuff fashion, I just decided to make it myself. And you have a lot of nerdy teas and I, I'm scrolling through your website right now. I have a few, one or two. Um, so White Witch is from Narnia. Of course, I have Practical Magic. Um, 
And then I did a whole Bridgerton set. So I have Dearest Reader and Pen Secret, um, Lady Violet, um, Dreamland, The Viscount. Yeah, I, I kind of go toward the the nerdier side of life in general. Um, Hocus Pocus, which is a beautiful orange rooibos tea, which is absolutely wonderful. Absolutely love that one. Uh, red rum, which was, I created red rum for a horror fest that I went to and people loved it so much. I kept it, but I was like, oh, I'm going to make it for this one weekend. Nobody's going to want red rum year round, but it turns out people do. It's <laughs> so, always a nice surprise. Uh, and probably our bestseller, um, as you wish from princess bride, nice. um, Highland mist, which is from outlander and queen's breakfast uh, yeah i mean we we do a lot with we have the shire the shire is very popular and loki's luck so did you do have you been doing honey longer than the teas yeah so we started doing the honey um we got one hive about six years ago and it was supposed to be a hobby we're gonna get one hive help the bees, help support them, um, get some fresh local honey from our backyard, make some mead. It would be great. Um, we got our first hive and then my husband was like, well, we should get a couple more. So we went up to three hives and then I got started working with him on it and we're like, let's get like a few more. And we had like six that became 12 that went to 23 that went up to 40. Um, I think right now we're setting at like 23, 25 hives. Um, we didn't do as many this year. There's a, a few reasons. Um, but yeah, so six years later and we're up to 20 plus hives. I won't say the number and, uh, a full tea and honey company. And then last year we started working with other beekeepers, um, that do the same sustainable beekeeping practices we do, um, to introduce people to different, what they call monocrop pollinizations, which is where, the bees are going to just one type of plant, say like a blueberry or a raspberry bush, um, and only getting that pollen. So it just makes a slightly different tasting, different color type of honey. Um, and so we've been working with other beekeepers to kind of introduce people to monocrop honeys. Um, and then we started whipping honey and mixing it with other flavors. <laughs> so it's, it's been an adventure. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that term before, but it makes sense. I actually bought um, new honey this past weekend. Um, that's allergy specific for my area. Yes. So I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That's how they can say things like. <laughs> yeah, it's um. so we actually extract twice a year. We do it in um, over July 4th weekend and then we do it in the fall so that we get those specific pollens. So if people are treating allergies, they can get honey with that specific pollen in it um, for those those allergies. But our primary focus is trying to get people and beekeepers to use better beekeeping practices. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like a couple of things. One is not to put too many bees in one specific area. Because when you move bees in, they are amazing foragers and they take all the pollen, all of it, right? Um, and 
what happens is all of the other local pollinators then don't have enough food and die off and you affect the local pollinators. So you want to balance having bees and the benefits of having bees, but without trying to have any harm to the environment by having too many bees uh, in one area. Uh, other things is we don't use antibiotics or chemicals or pesticides on the bees themselves. We don't do any pollinization uh, services. So we don't move the bees. When we install a beehive, it's permanently there and we don't move it. Okay. Moving beehives can lead to colony collapse disorder and then all the bees die. Uh, that's not good. No. So things like that um, are really important to us just to make sure that people are understanding, yes, keeping bees are important, but there's a balance to the environment. And you have to balance your beekeeping with your local pollinators or you end up doing more harm than good. Yeah, I, I would have never like connected those dots. Um, I like my garden. I have a I have a pollinator garden that I have specifically grown for butterflies. Oh, so I like and I would have never like been like, oh, yeah, you have a bee. Hive, they'll kind of take over all the pollen. But. Yeah, no, that's really cool. They're they're very industrious, <laughs> and they'll take over pretty quickly. So, yeah, I mean that's really our focus with the bees is just trying to make sure that we're teaching people to balance it, but also that we're giving the bees the best life and thinking about the bees and not just the honey, because honey is great, but bees are also really important. Yes, they are. I wouldn't have any of my vegetables without them. Exactly. Did you actually know that bees don't actually take pollen from tomato plants they actually land on it and they vibrate and it causes the pollen to actually fall down and actually that's how they pollinate a tomato plant that is so interesting yeah and i picked tomatoes off my plant this morning <laughs> that is actually one of like my favorite facts that i've learned about bees um it's from animal kingdom at disney this is where i learned this information <laughs> um is that elephants are actually afraid of bees and that like Disney started this program because the elephants kept going into the farmlands in Africa and destroying crops. So they taught all the farmland owners how to care for bees and beehives because then the elephants wouldn't cross over into the farmland. And then they had another source. And I thought like it was the coolest thing about something that honestly, bees scare me. I don't kill them, but I had a very traumatic bee sting in my life. One of the interesting things about Africa and beekeeping is that if you look at the percentage in the U.S., only about 36% of beekeepers are women. Oh, wow. But in Africa, it's over 70% of beekeepers are women. That is so interesting. It is. It's this really, and it, it's a newer statistic that came out just uh, maybe a month, month and a half ago. Um, and it's because beekeeping is done on such an individualized home-based level in Africa that many women who are looking for extra income for their families, um, but still have young children will keep bees in like the order work from home them. version. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much There's sense. More female beekeepers in Africa than there is in the United States. Wow. I don't know. Maybe it's just like the things I follow, but I always see female bee people. Probably because I follow this lady who relocates beehives on TikTok. Texas Bee Rescue. Yes. And oh, I'm obsessed so with it. She's I'm so obsessed with it. <laughs> it terrifies me. 
<laughs> and she's like, oh, there's bees on my legs. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't be just sitting there. Um, I mean, I've been stung. I, it, it happens. But what she's doing where she's doing bee removal, they're generally what we don't what you don't see is that she's smoking the bees before yeah. she goes in. There. She's not just walking up to them. Um, so they're they're pretty you know low key at that point that she smoked them. So, yeah, I, I follow her as well. She's wonderful. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, kind of that diametric of, of women in beekeeping. Yeah, no, that, that is very curious. I'm wondering if like that will change with not necessarily the uptick, but especially since COVID, how many people have like moved into like own business type things and doing things they enjoy. And I wonder if that will impact how many female beekeepers there are. So we've already seen an increase. Um, We've been seeing increases every year for several years now. It's, it's something that a lot more women are getting involved in it at much higher levels too. I think the fourth largest honey producing apiary is actually owned by a woman in the United States. So yeah, there's a lot more coming in. Is apiary the term for like, a bee farm. Okay. Yeah. I'm learning things over here. I'm a Ravenclaw. I need all the information. <laughs> I will not be starting my own beehive because I appreciate bees. I will give them all the flowers. I will plant things for them. They still scare me. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> I'll appreciate them from a distance. Everybody um, should do the things that they enjoy. And I would not be good at having a podcast. So see, everybody does the things that they're good at. <laughs> Where would you like to see this business grow? Or do you want to grow it? Like, what is, do you have any plans for where you want to move forward with? Um, yeah, I mean, right now we're really expanding into a wholesale market with different shops and boutiques um, for the teas. I would love to get into comic book stores just because I think it would be fun. Um, Probably not like a good business plan, but still fun. Um, Really what we want to do is start being more educational to get the business large enough that we can spend more on the educational side Mm -hmm. um, and do things like observation hives and having classrooms that can adopt beehives um, so that kids learn and aren't afraid of the bees. Um, so it's kind of the the next step for us is more on the sustainable beekeeping side. As far as Harry Potter and teas, um, we will have another four Harry Potter teas coming out later this year in the fall. Um, so we will be doing more with kind of the world of Harry Potter and the um, kind of that side of, of things. We're excited to see what those are. I mean, Comic book places would be great, but you guys would kill at a convention. Yeah, no, I think that that um, I would love to do more in kind of the comic book, Comic-Con space. Um, we've applied to a few ways to see if we get in um, to kind of bring some of our teas to people, to the fans. Yeah, you have Fan Expo Boston coming up that way. I Yeah, we, um, we applied and we're very hopeful we're still on the list. So fingers crossed we'll be there. I've done a few fan expo events as a guest. Oh. So I went Are you to, to Boston. I haven't, 
I went to Fan Expo Dallas and then MegaCon in Orlando is now run by Fan Expo also. I love Boston. My One of my really good friends lives in Boston. And I was up there for LeakyCon Boston in 2019. Nice. I, they, have, they have not had a LeakyCon in years. And I really hope that they bring it back to Boston. I... I was talking to another friend about this. We, we really hope that it'll end up back in Boston. It's in Orlando next month. Yeah. So I'm heading there for it. And we were just talking about that. We hope it goes back to Boston because I, I loved so. being in Boston. Well, it's, it's beautiful. And I, if I remember correctly, they came in the fall. Yeah. Which is it was like October, 2019. Yeah. It, that's the best time to come. Anywhere else. It is. That's what if I'm going northeast, that's what I'm going. I'm going in the fall so I can see the leaves. I'll go to the aquarium. I'll go walk the uh the Freedom Trail. And I will get my favorite cider that is brewed in Boston. Ooh, which one? Down east. Down east. You know, they have a pineapple cider right now for their summer. Uh, I love their pineapple. We went to their tap room when we were there, and I have literally shipped it to florida because i love pineapple and theirs is the best pineapple cider i've had without it being like too pineapple-y the other one that's really good is um uh, mango cart which is a place out of california and they have a mango and they have a pineapple and they're both good it's called like the golden road mango cart yeah i Um, just i for some reason had but I'm one of those people I see an idea. I'm like, that'd be cool to see. And there was a Hallmark movie and they went to a cidery and I was like, I never thought of that. I know you can get like beer flights. So I was like Googling like things to do. And um, down East had a tap room and you would go for free and they'd give you these six little wooden chips and you can try a different flavor and a little, like, I think it was like a two, three ounce glass. And so we just got to try a bunch and it was like in their warehouse and behind you, all the like cidery stuff's happening. It was just like really cool to see. I still want to see a, like a cidery, like orchard. I want that to happen in my life. So we have a friend who has like 20 something apple trees on his property, which ironically his wife is allergic to apples. Um, (laughs) But he also has a cider press. So we go every fall, he'll invite us over and we have to pick all the apples with him. But then we get to use the cider press and make as much cider as we want out of the fresh apples. So so we do that every year and we bring home apples and I make, you know, apple pies and tarts and all kinds of yummy. Um, And then we, we of course make apple cider and then we do turn some of it into hard cider. And then we do an apple mead, which is called a sizer. Um, And they're so good. So good. It just makes me think of fall. And in my head, I'm like, Come on, Melissa, LeakyCon Boston again, speaking it to existence. That's what I want because I just love going out there. And I have a really good friend, uh, Bits and Bobbin Shop in Canada, and it's close enough she can get there reasonably. So I'm like, come on, Boston. (laughs) Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, LeakyCon comes back um, to Boston because that would be fun. Yeah, it's a great area. we have a lot of good time. There used to be another, it was a Harry Potter event and it was over in like Worcester. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I wish I could remember. It was like, they, they took a building and they made it look like a wizarding school. Oh, cool. and it was, it was awesome. Um, last time they did it, I want to think it was like, last time I went was 2018. Um, 
but it was awesome. And I've been searching for it and they don't have it back. So I'm really hoping that maybe it's just like post COVID it'll take some time, but it'll come back. Yeah. I'm believing that 2023 is the year we get all the things back. We get a bunch of doctor who content. I'm just like (laughs) believing for all the things for 2023. Absolutely. Have you seen the announcement for the new doctor who? Yes. I'm so excited. Like stupidly excited. I have my friend like mentioned this is that there's so much stuff coming out right now and I'm just like focused on so many things because I like so much nerd culture like I'm all in on the new Star Trek I love it Uh, see I'm on the fence about the new Star Trek oh like I I've been a Trekkie like okay Wesley Crusher level of Trekkie um I have his signed book his new book I have it signed Um, yeah, I love Star Trek. Um, I'm on the fence about the new one. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with it, but, um, oh, see, that's why I love strange new worlds is it feels like next generation and the way that like each episode, you kind of learn a little more about a different character and it's a different adventure. It's not this huge story I mean, arc. I, I mean, I, I'll give it another try. I'm always willing to try something again. Um, I think what it is, is I have like this kind of bad taste in my mouth from the movies. Cause I just, I didn't like the newer movies that came out. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, eh, don't ruin something else. Um, have you yeah. watched any of strange new world? I, I, I can't bring myself to do it. Like <laughs> I'm really, I'm on the fence. Like I don't want my heart broken. I, and <laughs> one of my friends, Russell, him and I, he's the only like other real like Trek person I know. We both adore it. And there's times where like, we were like, there's things that they do. And we're like, oh, we don't like that. But, but we're like, in the end of it, we're like, but it's okay. Cause this is just, it, it is, it's very good. Um, it's, and I, like, and I watched Picard and I watched Discovery. Strange New Worlds has been my favorite new Trek stuff that we've gotten. I did not like Picard. And I think that's why like, I haven't liked some of the newer stuff. And so I'll give it, a, you say it's good. I will give it a try. Um, I will absolutely give it a try. Uh, but my husband and I are such big Trekkies. We actually used to go to the Star Trek convention when the Hilton Las Vegas was the Mm -hmm. Star Trek hotel. And you could like go on the bridge in your uniform and like have photos taken. If anything, and you don't watch the new one, Google the new uniforms because they are gorgeous they actually really look a lot nicer um one of the behind the scenes things from the series is they talk about creating the uniforms and like i just like devoured the information well i don't know if you've ever seen the patterns from like the next gen uniforms (laughs) they are the worst patterns like i don't know who drafted these patterns i and i've sewn for literally decades and I've made massive costumes um, and that I, I gave up. I tried, I gave up. I was like, I don't even understand what this pattern is trying to tell me. Like none of these shapes make any sense whatsoever. Um, so props to the people who can make them, but uh, hopefully maybe the new ones are better. I don't know. They're gorgeous. I think the biggest problem with the new ones would be finding the right fabric mm. because I have looked. Because I also sew, so I'm just like, I just want it. And then I want to go to the space restaurant at Disney World dressed as a Trek character. I think that that would be epic. 
Um, but you need I really to want to go as Wesley Crusher, <laughs> like the Wesley Crusher <laughs> shirt. And my friend told me he would be the Riker to my Wesley, and we would just go sit there and pretend we were in ten forward. <laughs> you need to like go to like the Star Wars area as a Trekkie and just see yes. if anybody notices like the number of people who can tell the difference. See, I really should. That, that's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna go to Star Wars just as Trek and end at the space restaurant. And I'm gonna record that. I'm gonna record all the reactions. Oh, it would be that that would be awesome. Um, that would definitely be the best thing. Um, you know, I I love to make costumes and I've done it for years. Um just anything and everything. I don't know. I get inspired that I make something. Right now I'm working on a new hobbit dress for the Ren Fair. Oh, nice. Because you know, I have to be a hobbit. Yeah, that's one I haven't done, and all a bunch of my friends have all done hobbits, and I'm like, oh, I feel like I need to start getting in that. Right now, I'm working on my Leaky Con cosplay. Oh, what are you going to do? Okay, and I can say this because this is after Leaky Con that I'm going to actually <laughs> release this because I've kept it under wraps. Um, have you seen Secrets of Dumbledore? Yeah. I am going to be the book port key that Lolly Hicks opens. Okay, I'm really excited to see it. Uh, I'm excited to see how it looks. You know what? I watched The Secrets of Dumbledore and I really like, I want, I like it. Jacob Kowalski, of course, one of my favorites. Um, The recasting of Grindelwald really bothered me. I don't, and it's not just because like, like, it's not because I'm like a huge Johnny Depp fan or something. It's just, he looked funny. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I was like. I'm not, I'm not sure about this. It was, I liked it, but mostly because like Johnny Depp's Grindelwald, I didn't feel like he's someone that people would like just follow because he was a bit crazy, Mm. but like the new one, I could see people following him and being like, and getting that like support behind him because he had that charisma kind of, he looked, you crazy, but it was like a different type of crazy. I think what it was is it was the chemistry between Dumbledore and Grindelwald that was different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think I believed the love between them in the first two, but this most recent movie, I just, the recasting, I didn't feel the chemistry the, there as much. The connection, yeah. Um, yeah. My favorite, 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 favorite thing about Secrets of Dumbledore I do not need another movie. I'm okay with it. Please give me an entire series about Lolly Hicks. Give me the oh whole series. Give me more of her. That's what I want. She was, I, I want to like, I want to know, A, she is a professor, but like, I want more of whatever she was doing before this movie. Like, I, I don't know history. what her life story is, but give I want to Give her a whole know. series. Let me sit in her charms class, please. Like. I would totally, yeah, no, I'm down with that plan. And I want her um, wand. Hear that Universal? Hear that Noble Collection? Let's get her wand. I didn't, you know, I didn't notice her wand, but I'll have to go back and watch it now. I just, I just loved her as a character and I just want more of her. I I can see that. I She, she was a great, and I like the fact that she wasn't a simpering wallflower, which I guess is something I love about the Harry Potter movies in general is that women in those movies tend to be very strong characters. Yes. And then when they like take her power, they're like, like there's that, like, I don't remember the exact quote, but where they're talking about how she's amazing at charms and she goes like, because I am. 
Absolutely. She's just like, no, that he's right. He's right. I am awesome. Yeah. Like the only female character that kind of has some self-esteem issues is Queenie. But given the fact that she can read other people's minds, I think that would give everybody self-esteem issues. Yeah. She's a little overwhelmed. Well, and then you know what people really think of you, which mm-hmm. nobody probably really wants to know that. And then she's overwhelmed in French. <laughs> can you imagine like... <laughs> Not just being overwhelmed by everything in your head, but then hearing it in a completely different language. And you're like, I don't know where to go. So I worked with European based companies for many, many years. And the most recent one was an Italian company. And I went to Rome for meetings. And what happens so often is English is everybody else's second language. Mm -hmm. And so if they need to give detailed information or they need to give quick information, they will switch languages on you. And then you end up in a meeting where everybody else is speaking a language that you do not speak and you're just kind of waiting it out. So I totally felt for Queenie in that moment. Cause I'm like, I have been there. Mm-hmm. I have literally been there just waiting for it to make any level of sense. Yeah, like for I, one person to appear and you just like grab hold of the one person who's speaking English and like, what? Yes. So I went on vacation. I did a cruise in the Mediterranean and I went to Sicily, Italy, and Spain as part of that. My heritage is straight up Sicilian. Like my dad came over here. So I'm like straight up. My my DNA is 98% Southern Mediterranean <laughs> per 23 and me. They would all talk to my mom in English, but they would all talk either um, Spanish or Italian to me. So then I would have to wait till they finished and I'm being like, I don't speak it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. I wish, I wish I had the language, but I don't. Oh yeah. No. And, and yeah, it, it's difficult because they, I think they, they don't realize, right. And they're not trying to be mean. It's just kind of a different I, thing. I, I look like I belong there. I match everyone. <laughs> like, I have, I have those features. I get it. I understand the mistake. My mother is fairer than I am. So it's a lot like I understand why they spoke English to her. Yeah. My mom also is the type of mom that does occasionally dress like a tourist. <laughs> I love her, but. I don't know. I felt like at one point I was going to like wear a sign that was like, I, I don't speak Italian. I've, I've got nothing. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting, but I felt for Queenie in that moment. Cause I'm like, I've. Although I am not hearing people's thoughts, um, just sitting in a room full of people who are speaking a language that you do not understand. And you don't know where the English speaker is. And you're just waiting for somebody to say something in a language that you do know. Um, yeah, I feel for her. But Queenie is one of those characters, I think, again, that's the only real female character that is, you know, not self-confident. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I always just really like that about kind of the Harry Potter world, even with the newer movies and even with um, The Cursed Child on Broadway, you see the same thing. Yeah. Although that show does not need to be that long. Well, they shortened it now. Did they? Yeah, it's no I, longer two-parter. Um, that happened when it came back after COVID. Um, good. It's, you don't know, <laughs> you no longer have to buy two tickets. Uh, we went in 2019. Um, March of 2019, actually. And we did the two-parter and it just felt a little long. It was a little long. I haven't seen it yet. I'm working on that. Um, but no, it's now a, it's now a one-part. They condensed it down. And so it's no longer a two-parter. I mean, it's still a good story. I mean, it's a good story. Um, and it's 
well done and I mean it's Broadway so it's it's beautiful um but it was just a little little much um and I don't know why but seeing the characters older is weird yeah I don't know if that makes sense <laughs> I just like you know like it, people progress in their imaginary characters but they still progress in their lives but still like seeing them as adults like I think because you hope that Harry Potter gets smarter as he gets older. <laughs> yeah. Like, Curse Child kind of proves that he kind of doesn't. He just gets older. <laughs> he's, he's still kind of making like it's he's still kind of making that same mistake of having, you know, even after everything that happened with Snape, he still has this mistake of thinking of people as being negative. Yeah. Right. Um, and I just I don't know. I felt like he was just Harry Potter older, but still stupid. Um, I'm sure it's not true. Probably just me, but it's still a good movie or a good uh, Broadway show. Yeah, I will get to that eventually. So as we wrap up, why don't you share your socials and your website where people can find you? Oh, sure. Um, so we are on Instagram at uh, bees-tees um, and on TikTok at the same bees-tees. And our website is bees-tees.com. Um, so you can see all of our tea. Um, our TikTok has some great videos of the tea and also of the process of making whipped honey. Oh, um, check that out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of fun. We enjoy it. It's our stand mixer just going in circles, but people seem to enjoy it. Um, and then we also uh, have some videos about beekeeping. So if you're interested in learning about beekeeping, uh, we have some videos about kind of getting started and how to do installs and that sort of thing. Oh, cool. And then we'll definitely share all that information and we'll check it all out. And thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. This was fun. I don't often get to just chat about Harry Potter for an hour. That's nice. Now I feel like I need to go watch Secrets of Dumbledore again. <laughs> I haven't I watched it since a while on HBO Max. So. Um, I didn't watch it in the theater. I only watched it on HBO Max. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate it.